<laughs> it would be a walk, but eh? This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. We all carry different stresses, big and small. It could be from work, stuff going on at home, or just from supporting your football team. You flatter to deceive, and as the bedsheets have always said, let us down. We often bottle up these stresses and try and keep a lid on them, but when you do that, it can start to affect you negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It gives you a place to get these things off your chest, get down to root cause, and figure out how to work through what's weighing you down. Therapy is there to help develop positive uh, coping skills. It's not just for people who have experienced major trauma. It's about empowering you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not look and give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners can get 10% off their first month using the code betterhelp.com slash wanderers. That's betterhelp.com slash wanderers. Let's get back to the show. Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Wolves Fancast. Joining me today, we've got Stu, we've got Tom and we've got Josh, fellas, it was a nil-nil draw against uh, Brighton, obviously. But I think our luck's starting to turn against the blue and white stripe curse. Um, let's get right, I was going to say, before we get right into it, big thanks to everyone who's tuning in live on YouTube. Um, look forward to seeing your comments throughout the show. Um, and thanks for everyone listening uh, on podcast as well. We are joined by Josh from Houston today. Um, but, uh, big Wolves fan. I'll let, do you want to get your plug out of the way nice and early for your stuff? It's entirely up to you. We could do it at the start, the middle of the end. <laughs> yeah, let's do it at the start before uh, you know I make people mad, right? It's a uh, uh, whole lot of Wolves, WLW Pod on Twitter, and we're the only U.S.-based Wolverhampton Wanderers podcast. So we like to have a lot of fun. We do have a Wolverhampton native, Paul LePage, who's a co-host on there. And we just have a good time, kind of give it by the American perspective, while also bringing in new Wolves fans. That's kind of the, the whole point of the show is to, you know, convert people that are just looking for a brand new soccer team on why they should choose Wolves and what makes the club so special. I mean, we have got to... Um... You're right, because American fans are key, after all. <laughs> I knew it. See, <laughs> that's why I said before everybody gets mad. Uh, yeah, I stand by my words. The only thing I wouldn't have said, I wouldn't have said key. I would have said were very important to making them a bigger club. But I do. Uh, and for the most part, I've gotten a pretty positive reaction from a lot of people as far as like, yeah, you know, we they get it. They get that Americans. And I, I think there's a lot of people that are more intrigued with how Americans find wolves as, as their club. And I love being part of the pack, man. You, the, for the most part, wolves fans are really awesome. 
<laughs> I, I, I mean, we're considering we spent you know five minutes before the show started talking about American football. Um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, and you know, me, me, me and Stu are very much into our, um, you know, American football in particular, and I, I, I find it fascinating. You know, where it, I don't really care where where fans are from or how long you've been in support. I don't think those things necessarily define how much of a fan you are. Um, <laughs> great comment uh, from YouTube. Over and under two minutes, Josh, to get Americans banned from Molyneux. I mean, let's be honest. I, I feel like we've had Mr. Miami as our canary down with Colin Molyneux. <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, fuck me, Josh. You'd have to go a long way, mate. I mean, he's he's getting his canary out for money now as well, which is (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ! It's going to be one of those shows. This is what happens when Wolves don't score. Uh, When not even score. I didn't put Mister Miami on on OnlyFans, did I? It was his own choice. I mean, how how much cheese, mate? You should have. We're not crying out for that much content. Um, but no, you're right. And you know, and look, hey, your tweet, your opinion, part of me gets it. Um, to be fair, um, another great comment from uh, Tommy Taylor, Metal Wolf Sam from Cleveland at a concert in Toronto. He knew everything about the club, even in his mid 20s. And that, that's it. And I don't know. I feel like if you chastise on for supporting your club in a slightly different way to yourself, it, it says more about you than it does about, you know, the person tens of thousands of miles away. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, 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 Stu lives, lives and dies by uh, New York Jets on a Sunday, which is a painful existence. <laughs> I have the same emotional conflict with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, who, unlike Stu, who is just used to the misery, I at least get my hopes raised on a regular basis. And, you know, but I, I think the fact that Wolves have got these clusters of fans in different areas of America, they've done initiatives out there um, around fans. And, you know, I remember seeing, was it last year they did sort of a big meetup in Chicago and had like George Ellicobi? Yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't last season. It was the season before yes, that. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I flew from Houston up there, and uh, Danny Paletti flew from Baltimore. So, and and that's what got me started on that whole rant last week was somebody commenting that American fans are just plastic. And to me, there's a lot of us that are really becoming dedicated Wolves fans. Yes, we we're not able to go to every game like you guys are and we're new. We haven't lived through the dark days of League One and League Two, but we consider ourselves really loyal. I mean we watch all the games, we spend money on the merchandise. Um and really I'm on Twitter doing the podcast with Paul and Danny and Alex and we're out there trying to recruit more people. So I I definitely take offense when people say that Americans are just plastic fans. I yeah. think where, where that came from as well, I think it was followed up with what I said about um, that the state of Stadium MK as well and the whole MK Dons thing and franchise stuff where you look at it and you think, oh, yeah, well, they can just move teams to a different city or a different state altogether and, oh, it's absolutely fine and they accept it. I think that that is a separate weirdness in its own right um 
to then following your team and your team's just not there anymore. <laughs> you can't you can't watch it anymore. But the place is so big that you might never have watched. I think Nate said before he, he's never seen the 49ers live ever because he lives yeah. in a different place. So and because it's it's like us going to Ukraine. Well, obviously you wouldn't go there now, but it's <laughs> same same kind of thing. It's just different. And I think people just automatically assume because that's what how it is in the NFL. I mean, the NFL does a lot of things right, it does a lot of things bad. But just because it's like that there doesn't mean that you're all the same. I think it right. was just it was lot I think you said on the show yet yes today's show that it was a, a common language separated by an ocean or something like that. And it's so true. Mm. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And you know, here's the thing. A lot of Americans are really getting into soccer now. Um, it's never going to beat the NFL or probably the NF- NBA out here. But it has a real legit chance, I feel like, to pass the NHL and pass Major League Baseball. But what American fans need to really get into it is they need a team. And it's not just yeah. that they need a team to root for. They need a team to root against as well. They're not just going to turn on a – a random uh, Liverpool Brighton game, unless they feel like oh, I hate Liverpool, like I want to beat them, and so that's kind of what we're hoping to do. It's it's very grassroots here in America for a club like Wolves. You really have to give a, a sell to it because let's be honest, they're not one of the big six. A good season is hey, if we can make a run to potentially get a Europe side. But there's also a lot of Americans like me that are number one masochists, and number two, <laughs> um, we enjoy the underdog, and yeah. and I think that's what appeals wolves to Americans right now. I, I, it's really interesting because you know, the fan cast, you know, out through our storied history of the last decade, have acquired a lot of American fans, um, and I think like it sounds really bad because. We're all you like. I support Wolves because I'm from Wolverhampton. Mm-hmm. My dad supported, you know, my dad supported them. Literally, that is how it works, usually generationally. But when you kind of come into a sport fresh, like, you know, like you haven't been supporting Wolves since you were six years old. And it's for a lot of fans, that's how you go about supporting a football team. And it, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think with the whole globalization of the game and with multiple sports that's sort of how it shifted like you know the reason why i support the colts has nothing i i have zero zero connection to that city like on on a personal level but i liked the quarterback and i liked the connection to parks and rec and i thought that at that point they were half decent team yeah isn't it funny how how people it's maybe just a little detail that'll get them like for me when i was trying to find a club like i like the logo that's why i said i'm a typical american i go that's a cool logo those are cool colors and a cool kit and then when they signed my boy adama here uh that really pushed me over the edge now adama's gone uh unfortunately or in sue's case he's very glad that adama's gone (laughs) but i've grown to love the club so it's more than just one player and like you're saying the colts i assume you start following them either Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck. Well, those Andrew guys are Luck, gone, yeah. but you're yeah. still with the Colts. And and that's what it's all about is building a love for a club beyond just one or two players. Like hmm. Because we've seen all those Nuno players are, are gone now. Um, but I still love Wolves. Yeah. I, I, I think it's really interesting. We're probably giving Tom a lot of ideas for a um, 
a university dissertation in um, 18 months time i think uh, at this rate um but like look we could talk about this all day um and and how and uh, i say like the global impact of, of different sports personally i'd love to see an amount uh, a premier league game play in america just for a few ju- just for a genuine just oh because i think it works really well the nfl and how they've kind of quietly built it up and have now got um, six eight games now in, in Europe across yeah, yeah. Um, all, all folks and over playing Brazil next year. I'd be like, I just fit the sheer fume and anger that would cause and disruption of the status quo. Um, one game I doubt would ever get played. Actually, I don't know actually would be Wolves versus Brighton. Um, you would never get played in the <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I, I like, I, I don't see the market for it. Although hey, you look at, you know, likes of uh, Jacksonville and, you know, Bulls, and particularly with our marketing team, I think they'd happily go, yeah, we, we, we play there and kind of hopefully build the, mm-hmm. build the brand, as it were. But I've, apart from the lack of goals yesterday, I think it was a real standout performance and testament to how well this team's improved under Gary O'Neill um, over the last, you know, five months now. Um, it's been, and... You know, nil-nil is always a tricky one to talk about, I find, guys, because, well, there's been no goals. But, Stu, would you class it as a pulsating nil-nil? Does it, you know, in your football cliches head, does it, did it reach pulsating? No. <laughs> um, I think, well, you look at it two ways, don't you? I mean, from a neutral point of view, it was an awful, terrible game. Um, I mean, my mate, my mate Gaz, who's a Sunderland fan, three sins, um, who won Spiel out, of course, like everyone does. Um what a wanker that bloke's turned out to be. It's just so... <laughs> I, I, I can't believe how well this is going for him. Um, yeah, regardless of that, I mean, he had a little a little rant, mini rant on, on Twitter yesterday about at halftime about how modern football so shit, all this tippy-tappy bat to keep a nonsense. And I thought, well, actually, if from a neutral point of view, I hate watching Brighton. I know Gully gets his pleasures and things from all this stuff, but it's, it's awful, it's boring, it's terrible, it's pointless. I mean, I don't know what the, the international commentary was like, Josh, yesterday, but for us, I mean, I did it legit. We watched it on TNT. They were they were wanking themselves silly about how good Brighton Brighton's passing were, but they kept mm. giving the ball away over and over yeah. again. It didn't make any sense. Um, but other than the fact that we looked dangerous every time they did do that, I don't think it was a pulsating game. I think it was an intriguing game. It it wasn't it wasn't a nil nil for the purists like we uh, we used to say watching uh, Serie A on a, on Channel Four in the nineties, but it was a decent enough game in its own right. Hmm. I mean, I was going to say starting lineup. Um, um, Tom, um, glad to see Neto back. Um, I think first and foremost, in you know there was a couple of changes, but I think Neto being back was a is a welcome sight. Yeah, definitely. I think it was probably the right going to put him in. Um, when he was injured as well, you know, he said even though he was excellent before the injury, there's no rush to get him back. He'd done the right thing by bringing him in slowly. Um, it was the right time to start him. and We'll see if he starts again on Sunday. He could, on another day, he has probably two goals and one assist from that game. Yeah. I mean, like he, he, he looked back to Neto pre-injury pretty much. And I think that's always the worry with Neto because it's taken him a while to come back from injuries and I get it because they've been bad ones whereas this one's not been as severe 
Um, but he looked he looked back to himself um, throughout, and was it a bit of a shame in a way not to see Bueno get rewarded? Uh, Santi Bueno, that is in a start, um, guys. Mm, you you feel for him doing it, but it's he knows the situation. I mean, you, you're you're wishing Craig Dawson dead, so I mean, he's going to get his chance soon enough. Um, <laughs> but I just think for for a, a game like that, I think you need all the leadership you can get, especially with how resilient mm. and disciplined everyone was. And for all the will in the world, his English is not going to be that great yet, is it? So I think yeah. for that, for I think for certain games, it makes sense. I mean, I wouldn't have any qualms about putting him in against terrible championship opposition on Sunday. No, no, no problem whatsoever. Um, but I think where you need leaders and you need a bit of organization, Craig Dawson's gonna be your number one yeah. all, all day, every yeah. day. I mean, well, it does, yeah, go on, Josh. Dawson's been out for a few matches too, hasn't really played as much. So I feel like that was a lot of fitness too. You want him to be full fitness, so leading mm. into the game against the shit. And who else are you gonna pull? You're gonna pull your captain Kilman. Well no. And then the way that Gary O'Neill has Tony Gomez playing, that's a role Sandy Bueno cannot play. Mm. Yeah, it, it it does feel like Bueno is almost just wait waiting for well, a, a suspension or an injury at this point. And you know, it, it, fortunately, he's shown he can do it. He can show he's doing it against the good teams. And <laughs> sorry, I know I I feel like it. So long as he doesn't get too frustrated, and like you're right, Stu, we needed Dawson to be at his best, and uh, we can say as much as we want to about Brighton's style, but I think what underpins a lot of what they do is their quality from set pieces, and you know, time and again yesterday here, and Dawson's cleared the ball. It it, it 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 the bread and butter stuff. You you can't go wrong with Dawson for it. Yeah, he, he's well. That's that's what he is, and that's what his career has been. And but again, like I, I put that little thing in the group chat last week about it, where you look at all that uh, kings and leaders of the past, and you look you go like Keith Curl, and you go Paul Butler, and obviously Craddock, and you go through all these. We, when we've had. Like per, not even some personalities at the back. You just had leaders at the back. Gary Breen as well. Throw him in there. Mm. We've, we we haven't had one like this for a while. Yet Cody was Cody. Slightly different thing, but someone as dominating as this, as Dawson is, in his all round game, and the fact that he can pass the ball as well that he's not a clogger. It's just a shame that he's the age that he is. Really, I mean, it, but then he wouldn't be here, would he? Yeah. And he is someone who has sort of quietly got better as, as his career's progressed. And, you know, he was infamously part of that um, future World Cup winning team, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and still I know it's it still, yeah, he's still got a chance of the Euros, I guess. But um, one thing that I did find surprising is Wolves having like a shot on target inside the first 30 seconds. <laughs> I wasn't quite mentally prepared for that. Um, problem is, like, then for the next 10 minutes, we did face the onslaught, and I think that's when we needed our big players and our characters to really sort of show up and, and ride that storm. Because let's be honest, against Brighton, we've uh, we, we've fallen in the storm, so to speak, haven't we, quite a few times, Josh? Uh, yeah, we've just not really had good results against them lately. 
Um, and so you could definitely tell we were going to try and be out on the front foot early, but then again, Brighton was going for that early score as well. And I think they did have confidence going in against Wolves. So the fact that they were able to really keep that clean sheet in the first 10, 15 minutes, I was already feeling good about it. Like, okay, they're not going to fall into what happened in the last time at Molyneux or even last year in Brighton. Yeah. I mean, once that initial kind of period mellowed out, I think in particular, you know, Mateus Kuna mm-hmm. dra- dragging us through the game. And, you know, it, it was very clear that we were, that there was two tactics Wolves tried. There was the, let Brighton like to set up all these traps at the back and as Stuart say, all their tippy-tappy football and try and, you know, lure you into a false sense of security and try and, pounce on them um, right at the top end of the pitch. And Wolves tried to do that a couple of times, didn't they, Tom? And it didn't always work. Um, but the other tactic worked a lot more effectively, which was get players back and just absolutely slaughter them with attack, counter-attack. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult against Brighton because they do tap the ball around a lot. They are going to move it faster than you. So when you do want to do a high press... They're just going to knock it around you and then they're in. Um, mm. I, think, I don't know. I think it was the Joao Pedro chance where we've literally put a press on. We've put three players for it. And before you know it, they're in your box. Mm. And that's the way they get you. But when you actually sit back and you're in like a low block, it's frustrating to watch because you're not playing, you know, free attacking football. But it gets you a result like that, a nil-nil. You take a point, you go on. You look at it from last season, people was leaving on the 25th minute and it ended 6-0. So, yeah. you know, it just shows the difference where you can actually grind out a result against these kind of teams. Mm. And, we did, and, we, and, we, and we didn't look bad for it. Yeah, we, there was a slight contrast in styles. And I think it was evident partway through the first half where this is something I didn't quite realise about Brighton. But they do have a bit of an edge to them, and I, I, I'll be honest, I don't watch Brighton on a regular basis. Um, but they've got a bit of a streak to them, and I thought that was gone when Dan Burn fucked off. But Billy, fu- oh. no, a little snotty Scotsman. You're saying you say course it fucking is true. You're saying that you're you're surprised that they're a little little Scottish midfielder has got a bit of. Yeah, when he's been managed by a fiery Italian, is this a, is this a revelation, well, Richard? It's more that I've not actually. I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I don't think I've watched Billy Gilmore since that one game he had for Chelsea against Liverpool. Like in terms of actually monitoring him. But um, as Jordan P says in the comments, Billy Gilmore, the Play-Doh headed jock. Yeah, yeah, man. But anyway, because there was about three or four things where he just turned into an absolute heel. And, you know, we joke about Craig Dawson. There's one where I don't quite think Dawson fouled him. But, you know, he tried to stop him running back and, you know, tried to start him. Like, of all people, genuinely, in, in that Wolves team who I'd not want to try and pick a fight with, Craig Dawson would be up there. Not because I think he's an angry, violent man, but he's got... Stu, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I feel like he's got dad strength. I was going to say old man strength. Old yeah, man old man strength. Yeah, like he, do, he doesn't need to hit the weight to be the size that he is. Yeah. 
He's um, well, it's just he's just a solid presence. I think that's the uh, the sensible way to describe it. That he's you you wouldn't mess with him, and if you did, you'd know about it. Like I feel like if you like, I don't know. I've already gone gone for one wrestling reference. Let's go for two. Like, if you tried to, like, hit him with, like, a chair, like, <laughs> the chair would just break on him and he wouldn't move and he'd just kind of look at you. <laughs> and, 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 like, you'd realise your mistake. But anyway, um, I, I should go on to sort of the ana- tactical bit, but, you know, for one particular on Kuna, and no, let's be honest, Kuna made the, the absolute most of it claiming he'd been elbowed. But he, he he still did a very very fucking blatant block, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even even if it's not an elbow, he stopped him from progressing. Like, obviously, Cunha might have felt you know a, a whack of the hand or something, and might you know did exaggerate it a little bit. But I think it's more to the point. He's running towards the goal and he has been blocked off, and he's had mm. nothing for it. You know, everyone's going to be frustrated. I think the problem there was, though, at the end of the half, yeah, you know, he's got his book in. He hasn't touched him, but he's got his book in. It's not going to move. Nothing's going to happen from it now. He's got the book in, end of. So many of our players have tried to drag him away from the referee, and he has <laughs> not moved. Take- on, another, on another day, that can end him, and he wouldn't have been playing on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. thank God Joe Gillett wasn't refereeing. Is he dark I enough? was legit worried with the with the US broadcast. Um they were showing everybody gathering around the referee and Cunha getting mad and Lamina's throwing his hands up. And I was like, did did Cunha just get a second yellow? Because that was my initial thought. And uh some of us that were watching here in the US were were a little worried about that as well. So I was pleasantly surprised to see him come back out after halftime and onto the pitch. Yeah, I, I was shocked that he did come back out. I thought that they would have subbed him just to calm him yeah. down because normally when you get that head head up, you ain't going to come down from that from that time. Mm. It's like, well, you 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 know what's going to happen within within five minutes. You're going to do something ridiculous and get yourself sent off. Um, then you come in the second half and nearly score. So. I think I too of all times for that to happen at half time couldn't have ha- like it couldn't have happened at a better moment for us. Like all for yeah. for Kuna because I think at one point the ref almost looked like he was reaching back for his pocket, and I was like, "Is he talking himself?" Because again, the second one where he had got booked for persistent infringement, I believe, was the uh, what he got classed as. I don't. I'll be honest. I know that's what um, I think he got classed as. Some whether it was the bookies or the stats people. Bearing in mind, he also got marked in zero fouls as well. So I don't know whether the persistent infringement was for complaining, maybe, but that would be dissent. Hmm. Well, it's what it's Jermaine Genesis one thing of the whole night where he says, "What does that mean? Does that mean he's being annoying?" Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that might be true. It might have just been in the refs here from from the start of the game. Speaking of the TNT commentary, I don't know if it was Genus. It might have been the main commentator um, talking about Pedro Neto and him mentioning. Of it, of, it, of it genuinely golden. Um, how we saw I, glimpses, we yeah. saw glimpses of Ped. I, I remember watching Pedro Neto and Lazio, and he showed promise there. And he's redeveloped the walls. Josh, do you know how um, how much Pedro Neto played for Lazio? Fifty-five minutes. 
55 minutes, minutes total. Over five appearances, 55 minutes. And the commentator on the UK broadcast, he'd seen that potential. And you know what? <laughs> Knew it. But to be fair, I haven't looked this up and no one's actually questioned Adam Summers on, on this. He does do foreign stuff a lot. Stu, it's 55 minutes. He's made three, what, five sub appearances. It's, yeah, it's clearly bollocks. It's clearly bollocks. <laughs> but it wouldn't it's, surprise me if he came out and said, well, look, I was doing this game. That's what I did. I, I mean, I, I love it. I would love it if he, um, you know, had done comms on one of the four four appearances he made in Serie A or in the Nations Cup, I think it was, um, for the fifth appearance. Of the, um the Copper Italia. Um, it just... I, no, because, Stu, we, we've both seen enough behind the curtain now to see, you know, the commentator's notes. So he's put, oh, previous clubs. You know, <laughs> yeah, oh, you know, Braga, Lazio. Ooh, Lazio's got a good name to it. No, just... I'm not having it, Stu. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. not having it either. Well, I think someone, <laughs> someone just ask him. Yeah, so we should. Um, so, you know, someone who actually did impress me last night, and yes, Dawson did, and yes, I have a s- slight agenda long-term with Wolves that I think he should be phased out. Someone who did surprise me playing well was Matt Doherty. Mm-hmm. Um, playing left-wing that- back... Yeah. I think that's that's why Tom's modelled his whole look on Matt Doherty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think. I mean, let's 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 get this out there. Andy was supposed to be on tonight, but Andy hates Matt Doherty, so I think that this is probably why he, he chickened out and, and cried off because there was nothing wrong with him. He didn't do anything wrong, and he has he hasn't for for me he hasn't done anything for a few weeks. Yeah, we we lose like Gully said on Twitter earlier. You obviously lose going forward because he's obviously right-footed and he can't bomb down the wing and he's old. But, but he did make that. He did make that run in the first half. Was it in the first yeah. half where he ended up sort of in the you know right centre forward position effectively? And you're like, how's he ended up there? Yeah, and he scored goals for us in that position before. Obviously coming from from right wing back, but he's got pace. He just can't. He can't dribble the ball down the left wing, obviously, because why would he be able to do that? Um, so, from an attacking point of view, we, we're null and void. But how badly Hugo Buena's come back? What do you what do you do? Do you either play someone who's massively out of form or, or still broken, or you play Matt Doherty, who's been fine and defensively excellent last night? It's a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say with, with regards to that, um, it was a f- about five minutes ago, but I believe Algeria are behind at half time, so. As it stands, they might be out of the African Cup of Nations, which means next flight home, and he's here for the Albion game. Would he play, I, though? I would think he, he wouldn't start, though. I'd love yeah. him straight in, person. But <laughs> I, I, I yeah. can understand why they might feel apprehensive, because, what, it's uh, Tuesday now. He's probably not going to go straight home. He might, you know... It'd be cutting it fine, wouldn't it, for a player we do have options there? But um, yeah, I as 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 Jordan says um, on YouTube, uh, big shout shout out for everyone contributing. Doc does <coughs> Doc does a job, um, always has done. You know what you expect with him. Don't get the hate. I, I agree. I disagree a little bit because of that, that step down. 
in particular, um, and I think also, you know, we do view him as a right wing back primarily, but you know, we we give him a lot of credit. Other areas don't always give him credit it deserves. But Nelson Samedo yesterday, he earned his eight out of ten from the Express and Star. So this is what happens when you bully people online. <laughs> you wouldn't do that without me. Bullying works, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but I think I think the Samado form has got something to do with this because obviously we people hate him anyway. We, they're never going to change their minds, regardless of what we say. So I think we. But with him being so excellent and having, I mean, he's got to be up there for Player of the Season without taking the piss. He, he has got to be in that conversation because he's so solid. He's, he's as seven out of ten every week at least. Um, and you look at his numbers for for everything, and he's always up there. And I think because they can't have a go at Samado legitimately, they've got to pick on someone else. And they can't pick on on, on Tommy Doyle because he's young and small. So and he do, actually does he plays well most of the time. So who are they going to get? Oh, Doherty's an easy target. We, we hated him before, but then when we sold him, we wanted him back. It's all it's all nonsense. It's the same people as well. So we know where they are. Fuck off. <laughs> I mean, that, I'm I'm thinking particularly yesterday the uh, the the last ditch tackle, but the the ability, you know, it, it sounds bad. It sounds so weird, weird when I say it. I appreciate just how he used his arms to kind of get leverage, but not too much to shove out of the way. Hmm. Oh, it's just I thought just brilliant, brilliant bit of defending. But it's the kind of thing that he a couple of years ago he would have given a penalty away for. Yeah. yeah. And especially against, you know, his, uh, you know, effectively his kryptonite. <laughs> yeah. In, uh, With Thelma. Yeah. Like, thank God it, he wasn't playing last night because, uh, you know, might, might have been a different story. But, um, yeah, just, just his general all-round play. And it does sort of feel like with Smado, do you think, like, the perception of him's kind of shifted amongst Wolves fans in, I was going to say, recent months? It, it like, because it used to be a thing, didn't it, where he went from be you know bad perception to kind of stemmed, and now I think it's a bit on the fence to a certain degree in terms of where people rate him. I think a lot but, of the hate towards Semedo early on was because we were used to Doc being able to, while he was a liability defensively, he was still able to contribute goals wise, mm-hmm. and Semedo just hasn't had that. Um, and so when that's the case, you really have to be elite defensively. And whatever it is, Gary O'Neill's got him with that confidence. Like you said, a tackle like that, he's definitely given away a penalty in previous years. And just to have the confidence to make that tackle, considering all the VAR issues that we've had as well, that takes that takes a lot of confidence. I mean, um, we say this, I, I, I've i not actually shared this yet with the group um, because I saw it earlier and I decided not, not to do too much commenting. Uh, great shout out from uh, Paul on YouTube. Anyone knows football, understands Smader is a very good player, which understands why Liam Green doesn't like him. Yeah. So potentially I have actually found Liam Keane's uh, YouTube handle as well so last week on our show where we talked about Wolves beating Brentford in added time bearing in mind Samedo scored that day mm-hmm. you might remember it was like only a few days ago 
um, we got a comment on, on YouTube from Old School Football. Ah, poor old Tomato um, had to take some stick, probably because he's useless. Does he care about the stick when he's on £280,000 per month? <laughs> uh, do you know what upsets me most about that? It's for use of the per month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we also did get a comment. Um, I, I, I won't share it, but, um, you know, around Tommy Doyle as well, which I still don't get because, again, a player who is consistently doing really well. And yet again, last night, his ability to try and break up play, how he was moving about the pitch, when he was on the ball, his distribution, his range of passing. He just hasn't quite had a huge standout performance. But my word, is he just like annoyingly just actually quite good? And I think last night was the first time I'd seen him play where I'd seen his Man City DNA. Mm. Second half, second half especially. Um, yeah. First off, he kind of got a bit... I think everyone uh, got... Lamina as well got a bit overawed with the, the whole with the midfield and their their passing to death nonsense kind of. I mean, it, it was tiring to watch. Like, they don't play against, and, and that's another thing. Like like Tom says, oh, they, they've got their their ideas, but that is one of them as well. They're boy to death, and it, it's it must be so draining being so switched on at all times to stop any kind of little breakaway. Um, and when they like so when they they pass 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 through you, and then like the João Pedro one where you. He's just in, and then you've got to be that determined. And I think in the in that first half, Lamina and, and Tommy Doyle was a bit passive. And the second mm. half, it was a different game altogether. Although he was superb. Second, he could have been more man of the match. Second half, how good he was. He was when we did our recording for a whole lot of wolves last night. He was the consensus <coughs> man of the match for our mm. guys. He yeah, Mado. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's a sort of particularly second half when the game really opened up second half and it was, you know, a, a really interesting watch to sort of see how both teams went about it because, like, it kind of showcased, I think, more of our players second half than it did theirs in terms of, you know, going end-to-end because it felt like Wolves defended as a pack and defended as a unit and so Brighton were throwing everything forward. But then, like, when Wolves were attacking, and it wasn't just on the counter-attack, but, like, we did seem to, like, Brighton seemed like they had less players in in a way when they were defending, and, like, we had... I was going to say, we had chances. We did. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it didn't necessarily feel like we had, like, loads of really clear-cut chances in a way, and I don't know. It was a re. I think it was just like a really solid draw at the end of the day. I don't think it was two points dropped, and I don't. I'd be curious if I was a Brighton fan whether I'd go. Yeah, we should have beaten this team or not, and I don't think they should have. Whether you go on, you know, the eye test, as it were, or, or whether you just go on stats. Yeah, I think you, when you look on Twitter as well, the amount of them. Um... Brighton fans moaning that it wasn't the usual Wolves that turned up and they were mad about that for some <laughs> weird reason. Um, and the fact that we finally got under their skin is a bit of an achievement after all these years. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's... 
I think I think it, it, like you said, we said earlier about was it a thrilling nil nil? It wasn't a thrilling nil nil, but it was the most definitive draw you'll ever you'll ever see in your life. They they had chances. The one that that the header that saw did that weird tip over where it was straight at him. Mm. Um, that was a decent chance for them. Obviously, we had the one where Cunha went way too far wide um, and hit it into the side netting. And you're the Lamini shot straight at the keeper. So both both sides had their chances. Um, and the XG, I think it was XG of what, about 1.6, 1.8, something like that for both sides. Fair, fair result all round. Yeah. Is it, it's a weird situation. It's a weird feeling. No result is just completely fair. <laughs> but uh, be right, you know, like, you know, particularly like that Kuna one. Where like it's end up in absolute no man's land, didn't they? And you know, Kuna ends up sort of taking it really wide. And part of me kind of looks, it goes, I don't know, it, it's not his fault because I thought he was fantastic again. And you know, Gully shared the clip of the, um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the quite frankly insane touch and control to give himself the space and then dragged us up the pitch for 60 yards. And, you know, it's the same with Neto. And I've, I think I sort of said this earlier on the season about it. And I appreciate he's your boy, Josh. But, um, you know, Kuna and Neto are doing the things that we all kind of hoped Adama would be doing in terms of, like, getting some of the pitch, but kind of keeping a level head when they get to that final third and doing something a bit magical. Well, you know what I said, too? I said if Adama had the finishing like Wolves fans expect him to be, he would have been a top 20 player in the world with his mm. pace yeah, um, and, and his physicality. Um, but yeah, he was lacking that in game and that in product. And you're seeing that from Neto. I felt like Neto and Cunha were a little bit off on communication yesterday mm. because there was one where Neto put it across the face of goal. Cunha that was frustrating, yeah. On the back post. Instead, he had kind of pulled back. There was another time where Cunha was going more towards the goal, and Neto kicked it in like he had pulled back. So just that little communication, that's mm. probably because of lack of time on the on the training grounds. Yeah, I think it didn't help in terms of the personnel as well. And like, I feel like if you have Huang with those two, you've almost got someone who's a bit more natural in terms of identifying those opportunities more. So, you know, you know, particularly like one where Kuna pulls back and realistically for, Hey, Jordan, Jordan agrees with me. He says, say, yeah. still playing balls like it's meant for Huang. Um, like he's saying ghost form uh, would have been, um, <laughs> would have been different. Would have been different last night. And yeah, you're right. So like, the ball's never going to be able to get to Kuna if it's a cutback. It needs to go across the face of goal. But Kuna's not necessarily the type of player to make that run. And, uh, you know, to, and just to go those extra six yards, you know, it makes more sense for him being the player he is to take that step back. Um, and, you know, Sarabia, I felt, was disappointing last night. And, you know, he, he's got his critics, but, you know, the two most notable things I can remember him doing are the corner, which went straight out of play. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad one. And and him giving away like in the middle of the park, like him just literally passing it straight to a Brighton player. And 
against a good team, against a good team, you can't be doing that. Well, you can't be doing it against a bad team, to be honest. But like, you're gonna get more punished against Brighton just to give away possession stupidly. It was like there was, it was just like it, it was nowhere near a play. It was just like a horribly weighted pass, and I feel like in my head. I don't quite know what type of player Sarabia is. He's been here a year. Mm. Like, I don't know, like, is he supposed to be this silky, almost number 10, like a, a you know, a, a team version of David Silva? Or, it, or is he brought to sort of play on the right-hand side or, you know, on the wing and, you know, nipping at the far post? I don't, I don't quite understand. Apart from having a, you know a level of technical ability, don't get me wrong. Like quite that extra bit that he brings to us. Does that sound too harsh? It sounds like you've been possessed by Dan. <laughs> I know. <if> I, yeah. <laughs> but Charlie is a weird one, really. I think. I think because like. I was saying this to my dad last night when I was watching the game. Like, you'll watch him in the game and he gets into these really good spaces. He picks up the ball in really good positions, but then he gives it away so cheaply. But then you've mm. got it in some other games where he'll pick up the ball, he's got, he's made his own space and he'll whip in across, which is bang on the money. Like, he hasn't got eight assists for no reason. But then yeah. in the actual game, he can be really frustrating to watch because he won't do, he won't make a six-yard pass or he'll give it away. But if he's on the wing and you know he's going to whip a ball in, it's going to be on the money every time, which is really weird in a sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where you'd play him either. I mean, you know, the whole thing where Neto playing in the middle a lot yesterday, which was a bit odd. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, clearly didn't want to be there. <laughs> and so kept drifting out to the drifting out to the right, which meant Sarabia was kind of well, that's kind of where he's supposed to have been. And it, it was like, well, Sarabia is more lost than because of Neto being lost. It was all very odd, especially in the first half. Yeah, now, there's, um, there, on, Josh. there's just some guys that I feel like are better off coming off the bench. And I feel like Sarabia is one of those guys. I think Bubakar is one of those guys where you want them coming in in the 60th minute and they're going to know at that point, O'Neill's going to know, okay, I want you to do this specifically right now. And I feel like that's where Sarabia best fits in because he can kind of morph into some different positions when needed. Mm. You need that for probably the end of the game instead of wanting it for the first 60, 70 minutes. Yeah. yeah I, th- I think that's fair. And we've had a couple of sort of similar uh, comments on on YouTube. Um, Matt Bradley um, she sort of says Sarabia is at his most effective when teams try and sit back and play deep against us. Playing on his break isn't his thing, and I think that that's that's my kind of thought. And the fact that yesterday a lot of our game was played on the back foot and trying to exploit them on the break, you know, it, it stands out. Whereas his best performances has been when the plays very much in front of him. It's not. Try and catch up with him. Uh, Tommy Taylor says harsh on Sarabia, who's been one of our best players since he uh, got in the team. Not his best last night, uh, but he is one of our best players. Yeah. I don't, well, yeah. from, from he's got the assists, and you know he scored a couple of crucial goals for us. 
so I do I, I understand it's just like I don't maybe it's that he has got a slight jack of all trades and you know in fact he does have a decent sort of technical output kind of yeah. masks that but I think I, I know maybe it's that I think actually we just miss Wang and his ability to make those darting runs and Sarabia doesn't quite do what I'd want him to do in those positions where he doesn't really pull the strings in the same way that you know he's not Tommy Doyle bit in an advanced position, so to speak. He's not a playmaker, but he's not someone who's on the end of, you know, uh, you know, of a far post for um, tapping, so to speak. So I just I think don't, it, yeah. I think this makes a lot of sense from Sean Crow. Sarabia versus bottom half sides and Bellegarde against top half. Mm, and yeah. he's probably, he's got a point because, I mean, you look at it and we never, ever, we've never had depth. In the, in the five, six years of this Premier League adventure, we've never had depth at all, hardly anywhere. So to actually have players who can play better, who can be selected for certain sides and not others, it's it's a foreign it's a foreign concept to us because we're not used to it. But finally, we might actually have the chance to do that. And we, we've, you've all just said that. You said it, Rich, about him against... And like Tom said, against teams in a, in a, a low block where that's where he excels because he hasn't got any pace because he's again yeah it, yeah it's it's just what he is if you if you play on the break and you expect him to run at people it's not going to happen because he can't mm. yeah jack of all uh, trades master of none yeah and i think that that's sort of it it's like he can do a bit of everything but not quite to what that that next elite level it might be you know Quite literally, if the fact he's in his thirties, what did he cost us? Was it two million or five? Four, <laughs> four. Say, between two and five. Let's go for that. Let's go for that. But like you know, we we've kind of recouped our our money on him um, and, and everything like that. Um, a, a great comment to almost like round off um, the match. To be honest, because I think we've covered pretty much everything. Was Jordan once again from a technical standpoint? I agree, he is quality, but I love cheese. It's elite, but wouldn't you horn it into a steak dinner? <laughs> what about if that dinner was a Philly cheesesteak? Oh, <laughs> I don't. You, what if it's like a garlic cheese sauce as well? That we are we classing that, or we just because the way I can't, I, I imagine like stew with like a cheese grater and a block of cheddar, <laughs> just, like, straight, just straight onto a rump steak. <laughs> Nailed on. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me after what I hear some of you guys like to eat out there. Just, Josh, there is nothing wrong with corned beef. I've, t- I've told you this before. <laughs> yeah. I'm still oh, yeah. blown by the fact you guys don't eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Like this, this is <laughs> mind blowing to Americans because that is a staple for us from like as soon as we're able to eat solid foods. I don't, I don't, I don't know why you'd mix the two. I mean, to be fair, I don't really like peanut butter, but yeah, just because how many knives are you using? Well, just the (laughs) one, just the one, because a lot of times now we have the squeezable jelly. So that way you don't have to worry. You you get the peanut butter first, spread it, squeezable jelly, and then you're using that same knife, spread it out. Boom. Can can we just, for for normal people, he means jam, not jelly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, for year for years I literally did think that you were eating like jack, like 
jelly as in our kind of like kids party jelly with peanut butter <laughs> on bread <laughs> on bread oh, I, I was probably about 30 i was probably in, in my 30s when i realized that that's not the case <laughs> that's not what they mean why is me sandwich wobbly <laughs> exactly <laughs> it still makes more sense <laughs> i had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich this weekend it was great <laughs> Exactly, exactly, George. Round trees, jelly, and oh, oh, wonderful, wonderful. Um, right, let's quickly talk about the game of the weekend because it's felt like the Brighton game was almost not even like a build-up game, just something we wanted to get out of the way so we could focus on Sunday. Um, we are going to be doing a, you know, specific preview show on it, so we're not going to dive deeply in it. I'm really curious, and like, I've joked about it pre-show, that today we've got four people of four different ages, places, and things like that, different perspectives on what this game means. And in particular, Josh, you know, we talked a lot about American fans and stuff like that. What's sort of your take on on the game, really? Obviously, sort of since you've been a fan, you know, we, we did play them during that COVID um covid spell but nothing particularly recent beyond that i guess to really kind of get a greater impression really so yeah so what what's kind of your perspective of, of it all so we had three people on our show recording last night who have actually been to the black country derby mm. and that really helped us americans that are kind of brand new get a feel for what it is the only kind of comparison I can think out here in the U.S. would be like college football where we have Alabama, Auburn, yeah. me, uh, Ohio State, Michigan up north. But I think even those are a little different because of how close uh, West Brom and Wolverhampton are in location. I mean, eight miles, that's that's nothing, especially here in like Houston. Yeah. I mean, to have – that many fans in that small amount of space is really fascinating. And one question I posed, and I'd be curious to know you guys' uh, results here. Let's say you can guarantee that you would be in Champions League, but you lose this match or win this match and finish, you know, just barely out of relegation. Um, oh, that's a tough question, man. Yeah, you set the bar quite high with Champions League. Something I said the other day, um, before the Brighton game, um, in terms of the other day, was someone said, I, it must have been a troll. But it was like, I'd much rather beat Brighton and lose to the Albion. Ooh, West Brom. <laughs> and I, know, I think my perspective's changed over the years. And I know, I sort of think football's about creating memories and moments. And that's what you remember as a fan. And it doesn't matter where you, you know, where you're watching it from. It could be, you know, in the stadium, in, you know, the living room of your nan's house, 200 miles away or whatever. But it, it, it's kind of building those core memories, so to speak. And I kind of looked at it like, what would I prefer to remember? Us beating Brighton in a game that's, not inconsequential, but in the grand scheme, it's one thirty-eighth of our 
football season in a game where in a season sorry in a season where we are looking relatively mid-table mediocrity that the ability for us to climb six places is actually quite is pretty slim uh, for us to climb down six places is fairly slim as well but the memory of us beating our deepest most hated rivals is something that would stay with me for a long time it's kind of how i justify it throwing in oh well actually you know what a champions league run is enticing but you know just getting there it's great and we go oh it's a brilliant season there is something to sort of say um yeah, it, oh, it's tough. See, it's but tough. Yeah. It's tough. Even the fact that it's even a question <laughs> just shows how important this match is because a lot of mm. people would just be like, "Oh yeah, I'll take champions." Like, I don't care if I, I lose my rival if I'm, you know, going to finish top four in the EPL. So the fact that it's that much of a struggle to you to think of really gives people in the u.s an idea of how important this game is for the locals i mean uh, if you're saying i mean if we ever got in the champions league i would ball my eyes out man I, it was i mean it, the europa league theme was different it was there but it wasn't obviously the same watching all itv in the 90s and the champions league thing being there and i mean it wasn't in monanza's because she'd already been dead for three years rich just bringing that up again um but, <laughs> but, um <laughs> It was just that, wow. that champion that Champions League thing. <laughs> Stu, no, sorry, Stu. I'm sorry, your nan's dead. Well, she's been dead thirty years. It still hurts. Yes. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm, I'm just like Stu. I'm sorry, your nan died when I was basically a baby. Then <laughs> I was well, so you, 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 you could be my nan. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, you, it, would explain, you, it would explain so much about our relationship. I mean, she had the same hair as you, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, back to her normality. Um, I think you've killed you know, Rich. <laughs> Champion, Champions League. I mean, they could thrash us 12 0 for us to go in the Champions League. They've beat us all the time anyway. Wouldn't One more beating from them that doesn't bother me. We're used to it now. I mean, I've had the, the whole blue and white thing going for years it wouldn't i wouldn't care if we got that um but anything other than that no 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 it's just europa league no 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 they get beating them once just to shut them up i mean going there and winning five if we got six i mean it's not going to happen but if if we completely dominate them and just beat them one nil or two nil they're still going to have five one that's never going to go away so i was there i left at four it's never gonna never we're never gonna live it down ever. So and even this time they're in the championship now, so oh, they'll always have that over us. It doesn't matter, they've always got to come back. But they've got to come back yeah. that they're worse than us historically anyway. So it's it's one of them things, but it's it is hard to it the fact that what I think my first ever home game um was against them lot. It was the first first home game of the season in 95-96. Ridiculous. I don't know how that, how that happened. 1-1 one, one draw. Um, See, so then we couldn't beat them. Um, <laughs> and obviously I was, what, 12 in 96 watching the Ewan Roberts show. Um, 
which shout out to him for uh, replying on Twitter. That was quite funny. Um, so I've been there three times, never seen us win, obviously. Um, I'll be there on Sunday. If it happens, I've got Monday off. So <laughs> the, uh, the, the liver can recover all day Monday. But yeah, it's Champions League is the only thing I'd say I'll swap a win for. Everything else, not a chance. Are you rooting for them to get promoted no. so that way you no. get to I don't, play them I, next I, year? I, I never want to play them ever again. I don't. I didn't even <laughs> want to play this game. I, 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 I even said that. I, I said when everyone was wishing it into into reality, I went, "Do not do it." You know what's going to happen, and then it happened. I thought, "Oh well, fuck it then." Well, why not? Let's 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 think let's think positive thoughts that this curse can be broken. But I don't want to play them ever. I'd rather play them never, ever again. I'd rather be in League One or League Two and just piss about down there being sad and depressed and never face them ever. That would be perfect. See, I think that's another difference um, in America. And it may be because we don't have that ingrained hatred for them. Um, mm. As a lot of us Americans would kind of be fine with them coming up just to get the experience of those um, you know, playing them twice, but I totally get where you're coming from. Like, especially if we can get a win here and then the shit can just stay down there forever, then you would always be, Hey, we got the last one. I mean, it's that bad that some people won't still shop at Tesco because it's got blue and white stripes <laughs> on the, on yeah. the bags. and it's on the club card. It's got blue and white stripes on it. They won't shop at Tesco. This is not, it's not, it's not hyperbole. It's a fact. It's like how. How, I mean, it doesn't mean anything to you, Josh, but Asda in Glasgow, there's one shop in a certain part of Glasgow where the sign that, that's normally green is blue because Rangers fans won't go in it because of Celtic. It's that bad. And when you get things like that, <laughs> this fixture means... I mean, the, the whole Cunha thing, it seems funny, but every you can Burnley Blackburn, you can go any any Derby, you can, MK Don's proper Wimbledon, any derby in the world, it matters more to the, the people involved. It doesn't matter if it's glamorous, which this one is most definitely not. Um, <laughs> but again, it's the only derby that I can remember for a long, long time that's kicked off in the morning. That says everything about it. Yeah. I would say, uh, what time's uh, kick off for you if it's a uh, 45 hour side? It is 5.45 for me in Texas. It's, it's going to be early. Again, we're not plastics. We're waking up for that. We're going to be excited. <laughs> Danny Paletti, it's 6.45 for him. He's already talked about he's for sure shotgunning uh, one beer. Uh, but he'll probably be convinced to do more. And that's Danny Paletti from Baltimore <laughs> Wolves. Yeah, I, I, I respect that a lot. Well, that seems like a very nice point to end the show because um, we will be talking about the game in full, giving it its... Uh, the preview it truly deserves later on this week thank you so much to everyone who has tuned in uh, live, has watched it back on YouTube or has listened uh, via uh, podcasts um, we will keep you up to date um, when the next one is due uh, will most likely be sort of Thursday, Friday this week, uh, make sure you keep up to date with all things Wolves Fancast of course um at wolf's fan cost on all the usual channels until next time though it is goodbye from josh yes whole lot of wolves right there <laughs> <laughs>
love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, it's goodbye from Tom. I haven't got the same thing that Josh has, but... <laughs> but I was going to say, but do make sure to uh, check out Tom's um, blogs on the website as well, um, because they're great um, and they deserve you to read them. And of course, it's goodbye from Stu. Goodbye, everyone. I'm not doing. I'm going to do anything. Listen, no, no. keep people in suspense. <laughs> I, was, I was, I was, I was thinking that I, I can now fit back into the gold trousers for Sunday. I just, let's just say that. I don't know if I'm going to do it yet or not. Because I'm obviously, obviously get uh, obviously Kev went had a bit of a abuse for his little gold suit the other day on Twitter. <laughs> I, I'm not. Uh, so I think I've been beaten forever. So you have. Can the gold trousers make an appearance on Sunday? Possibly, but I will also oh, be getting up at quarter to six in the morning. But that's to drink Banksy's at home first. <laughs> just, just you're not going to remember most of the game. Drinking banks is in your yellow pants. Who'd have, <laughs> who'd have dreamt it? Who'd have dreamt it? Anyway, and it's goodbye for me, guys. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Yeah.